Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Patrick, welcome. It's going well. It's going well. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you joining me today. I'm honored to join you today, Andy, on the podcast. Good. I'm honored to have you, and I'm honored also to introduce our guest. We have a wonderful guest today joining us. That is um, no other than Logan Williams. How are you doing, Logan? Good. Very good. Honored to be honored by you. <laughs> Ooh. It's <laughs> too much Ooh, honoring yeah, going around right now. There's a ton of honoring <laughs> happening. A <laughs> little, little uncomfortable with all the honoring. Okay, we'll, we'll tone it down. Please do. Yeah, let's not no, let's not that, let that happen again. But Logan, yeah, thanks for thanks again for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you to hear your thoughts about a design topic today. But before we jump into that, Logan, would you mind kind of telling us a little bit about who you are, where you work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in design informally, I guess, since like high school. Um, I was the weird kid at your high school, like selling T-shirts and CDs out of his trunk. Uh, <laughs> which was fun, made, made just so much money doing that. I uh, thought, really thought I wanted to be a graphic designer and then uh, m- moved to Utah to kind of just explore like the tech scene out here and to get away from stagnation in Southern California. Didn't want to coach JV baseball and work at Applebee's. So I got out here and got, uh, got into brand and marketing design and was sort of frustrated pretty immediately by like the subjectivity of everything. And then I was venting, uh, Bounced from a few jobs, did some agency work, um, had a really great internship at Domo, like early Domo, which was really intense and fast. And it felt like a Silicon Valley, like, um, you know, fire hose to the face kind of experience. So learned a ton um, and then bounced to an agency and started getting into like conversion rate optimization um, and like measurable design, which was really exciting for me. And then... um, yeah, landed with a tech company called Bluehost that was really cool, web hosting space. Um, I was venting to a coworker one day about everything, the feedback that I was getting. Uh, I think the way that I put it, it, it just it felt like I was continuously like frosting a really like awful cake. Um, <laughs> but it, like my my only job was to like put the frosting on the cake, and when I would try to point out like this thing is shaped weird or it smells bad or I don't even think it tastes good. Um, everyone would be like, Hey, like frosting guy, just like put the frosting on it. You can do whatever you want. Just make sure it's this really specific shade of blue. Um, so I was bored and kind of frustrated and I was venting to one of their, uh, really, really sharp, like front end guys. And he said, well, it sounds like you are, you're a UX designer. That's like masquerading as a graphic designer. Um, and I had heard of UX, but I was like pretty unfamiliar. So he, he was the person that pushed me and helped me sort of formally make the transition. So 2015 to 2016, I transitioned to uh, a UX team that had some really strong leaders that are off doing incredible things now um, and sort of like cut my teeth in product and UX from like 2015 to 2017, then bounced around a couple startups, got into design education, um, working with vSchool back in 2018 and really liked that. I think that's where I met and started kind of rubbing shoulders with you guys, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, missed missed like being a part of a team. Missed like working, um, working on a product collaboratively, cross functionally, and uh, hopped in with Spiff, 
which is where I'm at now, uh, back in October of like 2020. So SPIF does like automated uh, commission calculations uh, for finance and sales teams, which is really intense, really complex, uh, fantastic team, best founding team I'll probably ever work with, um, very design led with our, we have a designer, Albert Kandari at the founding level, which is really exciting and gives us a lot of muscle as a design team. That's pretty much it. Man, can we can we go awesome. back to JV and Applebee's? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want to work at Applebee's? What, what's wrong no, with Applebee's? I don't know. It's just like what everyone kind of does. Like you, <laughs> yeah, you graduate, you go to the community college, and then you end up. Honestly, like the two options from my high school were like uh, realtor or insurance agent. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. I mean, not not bad jobs, but. If no, it, this is not no, a real for, estate for podcast. Me, that's true. For me, <laughs> it, I uh, I was just, I was just antsy, just anxious. I wanted to I wanted to move, just get get going on stuff. Yeah. So you came to the great state, the Salt Lake, the the Salt Lake Valley, the great state of Utah. Bingo. And now you're at Spiff, having a good time. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. It's good. Albert's well, a good dude. Great. I worked with Albert a little bit, and uh, he's okay. He's, he's one of yeah, my favorites. Okay. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we love we love Albert, man. He's uh, he's a legend in the space. <clears throat> Obviously, as a designer, but just like as a human, I think he's better known as just being a really good human. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, he's a good designer too. Yeah, yeah, he's an alright designer. He's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's better to be a, a good human first than a designer, right? Yeah, you don't want to be a super good designer and a crappy human. Dude, that that should be everybody's goal. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of people like that though, Andy, aren't there? There are a lot of really good designers that are really, really what I would say pretty shitty people sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think there are some designers who think they're God. Totally, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's always fun replacing those people. Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever replaced those God level designers in a job? I have one. Yeah. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty incredible how you'll, you'll come in and just like listen and ask a question to like an engineer and they'll be like, Oh my, this is Patrick's the best designer in the freaking universe. And you were just like, Oh, Hey, uh, like how can I help you today? And like, that was it. Yeah. By the, yeah, but I remember a starting that job where I replaced somebody and, and, uh, yeah, the first the first day I started, everybody was glaring at me, and then yeah. by the end of the second day, they were like all my best friends. It was pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, the bar sometimes that's perfect for for guys like us. The bar is just so low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to have you on the pod. It's gonna be even nicer when we give you a random topic to talk about here. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, Andy, what what yeah. is? What is the random topic today? Is it Applebee's? Well, let's... Oh, boy. Oh, man. I don't think we have any Applebee's topics. No. What the crap. We are failing as a podcast, Patrick. Yeah. If you oh, have man, any sorry. Applebee's uh, <laughs> yeah. topics, please send them to... What's our what's our topics at designmuch.org? Is, is that the email? Or go, or go to designmuch.org, contact slash Applebee's. No, that's not I it. I want to hear the debate. I want to hear Chili's versus Denny's versus Applebee's. Ooh, um, mm -hmm. oh, that's what we one. need to do 
next time. I don't I don't know if those are all three in the same the right category. I think Denny's falls into a different category because the, the of debate, the breakfast. Yeah, the debate has begun. Yeah, it's, exactly. I don't think it should be it's there. It's more it's more Denny's IHOP chilies versus Applebee's. Oh, so no. you, these are yeah. Chili, okay, chilies no. versus Applebee's. You better, you better yes, give us a topic. I'm sorry. You better give us a real topic, or this is going to be the whole. Show. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it on the list. We'll have to really <laughs> discuss that topic. We'll have you back on, Logan, and we'll have to talk please. about. Yeah, please do. Uh, <laughs> uh, what categories they should be in, and which ones uh, you should go to? Yeah, what, it's, what and we'll do. Yeah, we'll do like a card sorting exercise. And we'll, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's it's a conversation <laughs> about information architecture. I love it. <laughs> All right. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Card sorting. Uh, So uh, today's randomly chosen topic comes from an anonymous listener. Uh, They write in UX myths. What do a lot of UX designers believe that isn't true? UX myths. That is a juicy one. Hmm. Yeah. So we already talked about one, guys. Some designers believe that they are God. And it's not true. No, that's true. Yeah. Wait. Are are they? What, but is, wait. Is it true that they? Are... <laughs> Hold on. Maybe there is somebody. Maybe uh, maybe this isn't a total myth. Maybe this is. Maybe there's somebody out there that that really is a true design god. <laughs> hmm. Well, I, yeah. Would you say, Patrick? There's one design god. <laughs> is there just one design god? Because the question Ooh. says, it, it's it's. Uh, UX myths that designers believe. Oh, okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. Collectively, right? Yeah, collectively. So, yep, yeah. there's that myth of uh, this, this, this designer, this designer type god exists. Does not exist. Mm-hmm. If it does, if people like we talked about, if people try to do it, they they generally uh, fail really horribly. Right. Yeah. 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 That is an interesting question. I I mean, my first question is, my first answer is a question. Is this, is there a distinction between like what designers believe after five years in the industry? Again, I'm, I'm taking like a design education spin. I think there's a lot of myths that designers are like taught to believe early on. Yeah, what we should yeah. probably start with those because like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's a good place to start because I feel like a lot of the myths get busted like <laughs> almost on your first day of the job. But like mm. they they get busted throughout your progress like you were talking about. So like what are the, what are some of those early on? Like do you have any off the top of your your head Logan that you that you even I mean the obvious one in in teaching I mean I I sat I sat with like uh with the team at MX around the same time I was talking to you guys, Patrick, you had me come into canopy and I sat with your team, mm-hmm. but I remember going into MX and being super excited. The, the curriculum that I inherited um, at V school was so complex and it was so like strategy based. It was like more towards like UX consultants that would go in and they're so like workshop driven and everything's about facilitation and sticky notes. And like, there, there's a lot of value there, but I went in and, uh, I talked to MX and showed them my curriculum and a lot of it was that stuff. Cause I did, ju- I just inherited it. And I gave the, the like analogy about like, you know, we want our designers not to just be about the, fr- about the frosting. Um, we want them to be able to like make a better cake. Um, and one of the leads, I think it was Dave, Dave Crow over there. 
um, Dave was like, yeah, like, but sometimes, especially like with associate level designers, like sometimes they just have to be able to like frost the damn cake. Um, so that was a really interesting thing where I realized experientially, like looking at the progression of learning for a designer, boot camps are farming out all these really process heavy, like design facilitators. And it's a mismatch from the actual job, like the job. Sure. Like you need to be able to prototype and test. Um, but a lot of those associate level positions are basically just like production designers that they want to sort of put on a pod, have them follow a style guide or a design system and like plug them in. And, and I don't know, that's something I've had a hard time with is I realized I was educating a bunch of senior level designers that were going to go and apply and be on, like, they were going to be qualified for associate level positions because they didn't even understand like basic, like UI components, right? Like if you ask them the difference between like a radio button and a checkbox, like they had just, they had no idea. Yeah. But if you wanted them to, if you wanted them to facilitate a design sprint, um, they could do that. Sure. But like, what are the odds in your first, like two or three years as a designer that that would fall on you? Um, I don't know. Rare, Thoughts, rare, rare. I, I would say that's, yeah. I would say that's a good, I would agree with that. Uh, if we can say that's a myth as far as like you getting an associate role, uh, you getting a junior role <clears throat> and really diving into that, that UX process. Like, you don't really because you're you're going on a team and you're trying to facilitate that, but your core responsibility is is basically UI design when you initially start. Um, I th- yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's. I this- think that. Oh, go ahead, Andy. I, I was just gonna counterpoint. I think that depends on where you're going. If you're joining a team mm. with an existing design process with. Um, an existing application, that's most likely going to be the case. They're going to start you off on something simple so you don't just go mess everything up. If you are starting out as a junior designer and you are helping your friend design an app, you're doing all of it. And you do have to know that UX process. Uh, You do have to learn how to do testing and prototyping and be able to take that feedback and make make it into a design. So Mm -hmm. I think it really depends on the level of company or project that you're working on as a designer uh so i think you do have to know some of those things but i think the majority of the time especially as you're joining as part of a team yeah you're definitely doing frosting on the cake so that's a great point i like what you said though about putting it together andy because like i think that's the thing i've noticed i'm not i'm not uh, like stumping for like only ui designers because the value is in being able to like reduce risk validate assumptions, all those things like you have to have those abilities. But there's so many portfolios that I see that like, they can't show that they could actually like make like the end result has to be like a cake that you could sell that someone would want. So they kind of like have all the ingredients and they're sort of like laid out on the counter. But there's like that missing like presentation of this is how I would sort of like package and sell this thing. And here's why it's awesome. I don't know. Some of that seems to be missing. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. that was the first thing that came to mind. But again, that's just because I spent close to two years sort of fighting that uphill battle. Uh, but the curriculum changed a ton. Like we we ended up building in a bunch more UI, like studying design systems, using uh, a big thing for like designers just coming up is got to be um, like if you if you find yourself inventing a button at any point, like why? Like why are why are all boot camps not just buying like a hundred dollar material design UI kit 
and just giving every student those training wheels because the stuff that you see, like if you handed any of these projects to an engineer, they would slap you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> hot take, hot take. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think one of the myths uh, too that, and I think I even like <laughs> tweeted something like this last week, but I feel like when I've talked to, um, when we when we've hired associates on the team and we're we're starting to get them into the process and start going through they always feel like they always feel like they're responsible for the solution mm-hmm. and i and i feel like that's such a huge myth in the the whole ux world like even designers don't understand that principle of like you're not as a designer you're not responsible for the solution like you're not the one that's supposed to be the creative on the team coming up with all the ideas right like you're the one that's like, to your point, you, we talk about facilitating different exercises and facilitating, you know, design thinking principles and all these different things, whatever it is, right? Um, it's your job to facilitate that, but it's also your job, right, to, to sort of formulate what that solution or what that direction is. But I think the myth is more like when I've talked to people, it's like, well, somebody else had a really good idea. They're not the designer. Um, you know, like I, I'm the designer, I should have the good ideas. And I think that's, that's a huge myth. And I think that kind of comes over a little bit from the graphic design world, if I'm being honest, because in the graphic design world, right, you're a UI designer and you're creating things. That's what you're doing is you're creating all the time. But in our world, it's like, you're supposed to go into this project as far as like, I don't really know what the solution is. We're going to try a few different things. We're going to facilitate with the team. We're going to pull in some stakeholders. We're going to do a bunch of other stuff. And we're going to come up with a solution or a concept or an idea together. And then it's my job as the designer to then sort of like flesh out that experience, like flesh out that experience and be like, okay, hey, this is what it's going to look like when we go through. But it's not your responsibility to, to like come up with the entire solution every time. I don't know. What are yeah, I like that a lot. I, I definitely agree with that. And we're definitely, as the UX designers, posed as the people that are supposed to do that. Like I think everybody that understands UX design at least a little bit thinks that that's what we're supposed to do. But I think, and it's, and I think most UX designers think that too, going into the field, that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, and I think even, even up to like being a junior level <laughs> or like a mid-level designer, that's most likely what you're, you think you do. I think when you become like more of a senior and you actually learn how to facilitate, how to take feedback from everybody and use that to make a design, like, as you were saying, like, you're, you're taking all of this stuff and facilitating a design instead of just coming up with the solution. Uh, I think as you mature more in the design field, that is definitely something that you get better at, is taking all of that data and making something out of it. And asking people what they think is, is the right way to go. Engineers, um, what, what's the right way to go here? Asking the sales, what's the right way to go here, right? So I think all of that definitely applies. I have to agree. Yeah, I agree as well. Spiff's landed in a cool place because it's very collaborative. And then you end up kind of with that 51-49, like majority sort of share of like UX where if there if there does need to be like, we, we disagree a ton. Like in a startup that's this like, uh, dare I say disruptive. Um, we Like there, there's there's tons of different ways we could go. There's tons of different things we could do. Like, I mean, technically anything could be right, wrong, maybe like we'll see. So being able to sort of debate and then have someone from a product perspective say, okay, like, 
you're the decider. Like it's, we can't just keep spinning our wheels. Like you, you tell us which of these approaches you want to take. It goes for product, for engineering. Um, I mean, honestly, I'd say, I don't know, mo most of our product managers are fairly technical. So they do weigh in on feasibility a ton. Most of our product managers are like fantastic designers. Our front end engineers are, it sounds weird, but some of the best design thinkers that I've ever met. Um, so them being able to weigh in, but then not having these stalemates because the, the roles are pretty clearly defined. Like, okay, that's, that's like, you're going to decide everyone, you got everyone's input. You're going to decide cause you're the designer, but it's not my job. Like you said, I, I completely agree. That it's not my job to like fill that bucket with ideas. It's my job to be able to sort of validate and cut through the noise and like reduce risk. Like I mentioned earlier, you mentioned the graphic design thing. That was like part of my part of the overhaul in my thinking, my first, uh, we were just, we just ran into each other on, into each other on LinkedIn last week, but his name's Damon Dimmick. Shout out to Damon. Um, but Damon was my first like UX boss and he knew I was coming in from graphic design and he like hammered this into me. He said, yeah, like, I, I don't care if you ever, if you like never push another pixel again, like that's fine with me. Like your number one job for this company is to reduce risk, to validate assumptions. So you don't have to ever create another mock-up ever again if you don't want to or or if it, it doesn't feel like it's the priority or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, that's wild. And have you have you never created another mock-up again? Never, never again. I don't feel like I'm yeah. It's just it's not worth my time anymore. Yeah, yeah you can cancel you can cancel Figma yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is wild though, like how often I'll go in and I'll ask Albert, speaking of collaboration, like I'll go in and be like, Hey, I'm looking for like this, like feature set in Figma. <laughs> and he'll be like, Oh, that, uh, yeah, that, that was like two years ago, went straight from the whiteboard into code. <laughs> so it doesn't exist. <laughs> that stuff's really cool. Like it's not scaling, it's not scaling incredibly well. Um, cause now we need those mockups, but what a, like, what a cool, what a cool way to work early on and to be that collaborative that stuff's going from napkin sketch to code, um, you know, in like a weekend. It's really cool. Yeah. Is that, is that, does that lead us to another myth of, of we don't, we, you don't need mock-ups? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's, that's crazy. That's the primary thing we do. All yeah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I'm not like creating cool prototypes that have hover states and, and cool, <laughs> cool animated prototypes? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I like early on for Spiff, sometimes they just didn't. Sometimes the urgency was so high that they would literally take a weekend and spin up like a new feature or a new feature set um, without them. But now like I just kind of, hinted at it earlier it just depends on where you're at as a team because now we're all trying to copy and paste from the same library or like design system um and it's all over the board but everybody everybody has to cross that bridge at some point you just kind of have to weigh like that stupid effort versus impact thing that's like daily haunting us all mm -hmm. yeah I, I think that's very true i think again kind of going back to what we we're talking about before in process so i i work um I um, am a, ment a student mentor at Career Foundry, another UX bootcamp. Nice. And I, I get this question all the time, like when they're, they're trying to understand the UX process for the first time, they, they assume that this process is going to go this way, like all the way, every single step smoothly with every single project. 
at every single company, you know, it's always going to be the same way. But in reality, it's it's really not that way. Like sometimes things need to be made really quickly. They just do so mm-hmm. we can keep the lights on to the company. And we mm-hmm. have to get feedback on this thing and make iterations on it after it's been built, after it's been pushed to customers. You have to do that sometimes. Sometimes you have to do, you have to create mock-ups just to get the upper level management to approve the fact that you're going to further do research on this thing. So you have to kind of dirty the water by creating a potential solution before you actually start researching the problem. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do that because that's just the process of the company. So uh, I don't remember where I started with this this comment, but essentially. Uh, like you're, bra- you're bragging about how much you mentor and like shape lives. <laughs> exactly. That, that's how it started. Um, yeah, I make a really big difference, guys. Um, you do. I'm being, I'm being a jerk. You really do. You really do. Don't quit. Please don't quit the pod. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, I can't remember where, where I was going with this, but I think I think the myth Talking about process, the left to right process that yeah. just like it just doesn't exist. It doesn't. It's and we've seen that example, like you know, the social posts where it's like you know you think a design is going to go this way, where it's just a straight line from A to B, where it's really a squiggly line. It's not mm-hmm. always going to be the way you think it's going to be, and sometimes it's messy. Actually, one hundred percent of the time, yeah. it's messy. It's, it's a ball of freaking yarn. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So. That I think I think that's a thing. Like we in edge these boot camps, we teach that here's the process you're supposed to follow, and sometimes pieces of that process get skipped just because mm-hmm. because it's messy and because that's the way it has to be. Um, and sometimes you have to validate things later down the line because uh, that's just the way things work. So I guess it's yeah. like what you're talking about. If it goes from whiteboard to its in production, <laughs> we didn't really take the time to put that through a, a huge design process. And I think that that sometimes is the way things need to go. Unfortunately, yeah. we wish it could go just perfect A to B straight line through the design process, but it's not always the case. Yeah, it it's it needs to be it needs to be looked at as more of like a tool belt, right? Like you have all these tools, you can use them. I mean, Patrick, the first time we met, I think you were immediately bagging on personas, which was really funny. Um, <laughs> We'd been talking, you, you were going to teach somewhere at some school. Um, but you were like, yeah, they got me like talking about personas. It's just like funny how it's like a box that you have to check in the process. It shows up as some weird, like unsplash picture of someone. And so this is Jenny, like this is who's using our product, but it's, it's like the least amount of process necessary is like the right amount of process. Um, so seeing it as like a tool belt that you can reach to, like when you get stuck instead of this thing that gives you all this anxiety, because all these designers are frustrated all the time because they came out of a boot camp where they wanted this huge left to right process. And then they landed at a startup that's like, hey, like we got to move faster than fast because this is like our runway and these are our competitors and like this is what we're up against. Um, seeing it that way, you get a bunch of like, like junior to mid or associate to mid-level designers that are just like frustrated all the time because it's not what they were like taught. It's not what they expected. There's a mismatch and they're just like really frustrated by it, but it's exciting. Like you should, you should run into a block that's and be like, man, I don't know. It feels like we're stuck. It feels like we don't know what to do. Then you reach for like the tool that makes the most sense in the current context. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I think, I think that's awesome. Like, like working, like, you know, teaching it, teaching at different boot camps or like teaching it on the university level. It's just, it's, it's easy to teach a process. 
it's it's very complicated to not teach a process like it's really complicated to not teach or it's really complicated to try and teach like hey it depends like it depends on the project what you're working on like we just you know like you, you there's not really a process so you try to teach like a i don't know like a double diamond or you try to teach all these different processes and it's hilarious to me because none of that has ever been used anywhere i've ever worked and and if it has it 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 gets used for like a week maybe like 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 somebody follows a process for like a limited amount of time and then it's like okay well we can't mm-hmm. this just doesn't work right this just it doesn't work and and that's the thing like uh here at canopy over the years we've tried to develop processes for design like how does design work with engineering and how does it you know work with product and how do we work together and anytime we try to formulate a process it crumbles right and it crumbles because the process literally is it depends like that's we talk about that all the time we joke about that on the podcast a lot of as far as like every time we get a topic it's like well it depends but really that's the process like and and to your point logan i think that's the thing that the myth is that there is a process to get to a solution uh, but the reality right. is you have to be able to understand the tools and and the the ceremonies in, in order to get to that solution like it's more about decision making than it is a process right and so i'm glad you brought that up because i was thinking when you said miss i was like dude process is the biggest myth of all in my yeah. mind yeah there's another there's another one that came to mind that's just about like um I don't just who you spend your time with. Like when I was a marketing designer, it was just like Nerf guns and like (laughs) (laughs) Nerf guns and hoverboards. (laughs) And then I switched to UX and it was all like uh, dungeons and lightsabers, um, like immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And not like it's, it's been great. Like, but I, I feel like it's another disservice to, uh, to people that are coming in is that you realize I told somebody the other day, like they were, they were showing me their portfolio and there was this huge missing perspective of, I mentioned it earlier. Like if you show this, this project or this app or this feature to a developer or an engineer, like they're they're just not going to know what to do with it because it's Play-Doh. It's not Legos, right? Like you're not, you're not like conforming to the existing like Legos that exist that, this guy or girl are used to just like using they restyle them but they're almost all established they're almost all there they've been that way forever and you're giving them like a lump of play-doh that you think is cool and saying turn this into like a a reusable like scalable product um excuse me yeah so there's there's a lot there about just like again we we talked about it a lot the cross-functional like collaboration but i ended up telling that person like hey i spend 80, 80% of my week with product and engineering people. And maybe, maybe even more than that, like 90% of my week is with my pod, my product team. Um, and then 10% is in critique or just sort of like loosely collaborating and keeping up with the other designers. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Does that resonate? Yeah, it resonates in the environments I've worked in. I think, I think it does maybe depend on where you work though. Cause you could Mm -hmm. work, um, you know, I've known designers that worked in different shops where they more agency type shops, right? Where, agency, yeah. Yeah, they're all kind of together uh, working, and and then it's more, yeah, then it's a little bit more Nerf gun like, a little more know. nerfy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's definitely I've definitely had to uh, to to get used. To, the I guess the myth is you don't need to understand Star Wars or the Marvel universe to be a UX designer, and that's mm. probably not true. You you nope. really need to like dive in whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy a bunch of star wars shirts as soon as you start your job <laughs> you know i lo- i'm lucky I-, I hope i hope no one at spiff listens to this and thinks that i'm I- i'm speaking of prior of prior companies where it was it was competitive like it was like who can who can have the darkest cubicle like who can <laughs> who can live like a vampire all day long like most who can who who can most closely like resemble the existence of a vampire yeah luckily can can a human go without vitamin d for an entire month and still live they can't i can tell you they they can (laughs) i I learned it (laughs) firsthand but yeah i don't know that's another that's another one that's been really cool it keeps it interesting though right like you can't just have like the monotony of like a bunch of hipster designers that all do and say and think the same way. It's boring. You know what I'm kind of disappointed about too is even even been even being in the industry, I feel like yes, we use sticky notes, but not to the extent that you think you should use sticky notes, right? Like mm-hmm. you like sticky notes have become like the UX tool of choice for some reason. Yeah. But I feel like I don't use sticky notes as much as I as I should have. I think that's, is that a myth? Like we do use sticky notes, but not to the level at which, you know, you, you imagine like when you're in school, it's all sticky notes. Then when you come into the office, it's like no sticky notes. I don't know. I know Andy loves sticky notes. Yeah. Andy, I, I love them too, but I don't know. Andy, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I actually don't like, sticky notes as much because i don't like my handwriting Mm. i I don't like physical stuff as much as i like the digital stuff personally so i'm not going to say i love them but they are great for facilitating conversations and for for having that stuff so uh yeah but but when was the last time i don't really think you need them though yeah when was the last time you actually used a sticky note to facilitate a design discussion of any kind october Uh, an, an affinity mapping sticky note thing like does that ever yeah, happen? I anymore? did that in October. You did it in October. <laughs> last time I did, it. I did it in October. That was the last time I did it. Damn it! And I know. What are we in right now? March. <laughs> I think that's atypical, though. I mean, I, I talked to uh, Chase Butterfield over there. I talked to Dan Vineyard, right? Um, mm-hmm. I know. I know that you guys do. In my opinion, I've, I've, from what I've heard, I think you're you do more workshop kind of activities than than most. We try um, to. Which is a shame because like for alignment, it's pretty incredible for just, I don't know. I think, I think you're right though. I think it is a, like a myth. Every, every like stock photo, Google anything about yes. UX design and it's everyone just like thoughtfully standing around a wall of sticky notes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh-huh. like the clear, the like clear glass whiteboards and yeah. stuff. Pretty I think sick. that's, that's the only way to really portray a UX designer in a picture. Cause otherwise it's really just like this, it, the real picture is in the office, right? It's like a designer sitting at their computer, which is nice and neat, right next to a bunch of other computers that are really dark. Like you, you were talking about Logan. They have like amazing mechanical keyboards. They got like you know RGB lighting, and and in the middle of them is this like neat yeah. designer desk. <laughs> right. With mine, mine literally, mine literally had a, a spotlight above it, so as to not disturb the other cubes. They had to yeah. install. So it looked angelic, obviously, but they they had to install a light above my desk 
but yeah, like that's I, I it's think, just you should Google you should Google UX designer. It should just be a guy or a girl standing up next to the window, like pulling the shade yeah. down halfway, and then a bunch right. of other people sitting in their cubicles like like freaking out, yeah. like no, no, and you're like that, that should be the, the the whole entire thing. It's a bunch of speech bubbles that just say WTF, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do think it's true though. Like I, I, I think that um, the for for like the the value that they add, not the sticky specifically, but those sort of like um, what is it work like those working silently like together alone kind of activities that uh, the design sprint and like Jake Knapp and those guys are all about. They add a ton of value um, and they sort of flatten like the hierarchy and like you get your best ideas out without people just getting trampled by your uh your loudest like architect or your most like uh charismatic like ceo so the, i don't know the value like as far as like the value that they actually add i wish i wish we would slow down and use them more often but um yeah tools like fig jam miro mural mm -hmm. lucid shout out lucid they're awesome but yeah patrick was that kind of your point like the myth is that that's all that your job is and then we yeah rarely like we rarely slow down and and use them yeah i was i i joined, i wanted to be in ux because of all those images andy was talking about of those people sitting around conference rooms like you know pointing at each other and thinking very thoughtfully and having these sticky note uh you know pieces of artwork on the wall if you will you know affinity mapping ideas and blah, blah you know all that kind of stuff and, oh yeah it's just not that's not the day-to-day -day. that's like the that's the that's once once twice a quarter right yeah honestly the day-to-day -day yeah. is literally drawing boxes in figma that's the day-to-day -day, and people need to get used to that as a ux designer yep hey, i'm Wrangling gonna draw a rectangle, rectangle today <laughs> yeah yeah i i actually would say uh less i do less design I do way more communication. Like mm, my day to day yeah. is like I'm in meetings, talking, talking, talking to customers, to um, engineering, to product. That's like 90% of what I do. It's like meetings. And then I find time in the middle to do a little bit of design here and there when I need to, but depends on where I am in, in a project, right? But yeah, 90% talking that, to people, that's my job. That's a good point, Andy, because I feel like we we always talk about productivity. We you know we've talked about it at work. Every every place we go, hey, are we being productive? Are we not being productive? And I feel like productivity comes back to you creating or producing something. But like I think that's one of the myths that exist in the UX world is co communication is just as valuable as 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 designing something. And you're mm -hmm. being in a meeting is being productive, assuming you're a part of that meeting, right? Assuming you're 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 actively participating and i always we always go back to like why are you being productive well there's too many and everybody wants to cut meetings all of a sudden right like hey we're not being very productive let's cut these meetings and it's like no i need to have that discovery meeting with my pm so i know what i'm supposed to work on you know what what the customers yeah. want i need to have these meetings and i feel like that's kind of a myth too is is the fact that meetings are sort of a, a waste of time in the ux world i think sitting down and having a meeting and talking to people is, is really important to your point, Andy. Yeah. Effective meetings, right? Effective meetings. And it, it's sort of like, it's a twin of the other myth that, um, I don't know, like not, so you said, you said, uh, you know, you're not creating things, but also 
not creating something because of an effective meeting could be as valuable or even more value than creating mm -hmm. the wrong thing. That's another yeah. huge, that's a huge myth that is being undersold is that mm -hmm. if you, if you do create the wrong thing, it's like this, it's horrible. Like hopefully you created the wrong thing in as like small of a time span and as small of a scope as possible. Um, but even that, even creating the wrong thing can save a company. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I can think of a project that we took on early in my career that was like a $3 million project where we flat out just built the wrong thing for, for like six months. If I'd been more concerned about cycling and like iterating and like learning quickly, if they maybe also would have allowed that, um, we could have made the wrong thing in a few weeks and then moved on to making the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's another, I don't know. Is that another myth? I, I think so. Being, being wrong. Yeah. I think the myth too mm -hmm. is designing design happening inside of a, a tool like Figma, right? Like experimentation mm -hmm. doesn't have to have a design to your point. You could, you could waste, I've seen designers waste half of their day working out something inside of Figma to then like come to me and be like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, just do that. Like you should have yeah. just, why didn't you just call me four hours ago and just, and ask yeah. the question, like, why didn't you call a PM four hours ago and be like, Hey, do we need this? Like, there's so much of that communication. I think that happens out so a, much yeah, design happens out outside of napkin. Figma. Yeah. Yeah. Send out a napkin sketch and just check the tab. Mm. Yeah. So my takeaway, Patrick, is I should just be calling you. Yeah, yep. call just, me. Call everybody me. should just Why call didn't Patrick. You call me? Yeah. Why if you, did you call Patrick? Don't don't try to like don't get into Figma, Andy, and try to make a decision there. Like, just call me. I'll help you make the decision. All right. Anytime. I love that. I love eight six seven five three zero nine. Oh, that's great. I don't know. Did we did we bust some myths, Andy? Uh, Logan, did we? I think so. I think we got them all. I don't think there's a single one that we did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably not. Other than the people read on the internet, that's the only one we didn't we didn't talk about. But we can do that later. Oh boy. Yeah. Don't I have one really quick. One more myth. There's yeah. a myth out there that on your resume you have to have a bunch of progress <laughs> bars to show how good you are at Illustrator, how good you are at XD or Figma. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. You don't need that. It's not how, how are people going to know? I disagree. How are people going to know how skilled you are <laughs> unless you have InDesign at 85 out of 100? Yeah. Oh. I, keep... oh, I really wanted it to be 86%. <laughs> yeah, we were... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, bud. We were looking for 86. I keep all of those resumes that say Photoshop 9 out of 10. Like I'm like, dude, <laughs> nobody's 9 out of 10. Yeah, it's not, not even the thing. not even the freaking people who build Photoshop are nine out of ten, and I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody oh, knows it. Nobody good. knows it all because it's so complex. It's like a I don't know thirty year old freaking tool. Yeah. So yeah. Oh man, what a beast! Those aren't skills either, Andy. Right? We've talked about this before. Photoshop not is skill. not a skill. Figma is yep. not a skill. Figma is an application. Mm. Um, preach mm -hmm. yeah we've preach. it's a tool it's a tool like if you're a construction worker you don't say i i, I a hammer is my skill right yeah. like <laughs> hammer skills <laughs> nine right, going back to the, going back to the dun dungeon stuff sword yeah. hammer shield <laughs> <laughs> i'm a level three shield i'm a level three in design <laughs> 
Oh, I love those resumes. They're my favorite. <laughs> I'll admit it though, guys. I'll I will say it in front of here we go. God and our audience. <laughs> I have I have made one of those resumes before because I looked around and I saw that that's those look really cool. Back when I was like graphic design, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. they look great. They look wonderful, and a lot of people that that aren't I don't know I, people liked them, but you really just don't you just don't need them. You just don't yeah. need it. Do you have like the dial, I, I, like the gas gauge uh, dial, I think or the I had round? a progress bar that wasn't? Uh, it didn't say the percentage. I think that's what it was. I'll have to look back. It was either like stars or progress bar that Ooh, I did. Stars. What a weird, what a weird position to put yourself in, though. Where you're like, yeah, I don't know. Out of a hundred, I don't know. Am I? Yeah. A, am I a seventy-eight? <laughs> I am I, that. Am I a sixty-seven? Like, what am I? <laughs> oh man, because you have to be overconfident. You can't, you know. No, oh, yeah, like it. It's yeah, impossible. You like a little bit. There's no, there's no winning in that scenario. Yeah, it, it has to stop. <laughs> And there's just no standard. Maybe, maybe there should be a standard out there. You should go take a test, a Photoshop test, mm -hmm. and that that will give you your score. And then you're like Photoshop certified if you're at eighty six percent, right? Yep. And then you put it right there on your resume. And then you can put your certificate in there. Speak. You can say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I am skilled at Photoshop. Look, I've got a certificate from, you know, Andy Page online. He's the one that certified me." Yeah, I'm gonna start that. I'm accredited. Do it. Accredited TM. from Andy Page, yeah. My AP score, my Andy. What Page is yeah score. your AP score? It becomes the standard. We we accept seventy five and above, but yeah. nothing below. Yeah. <laughs> What's your sticky note AP score, Andy? Oh yeah. Yes. Ooh, a sticky note skills. Dang. Rusty. See, mine is really bad. Again, I told you guys, Rusty. I suck at handwriting. It's just nobody can read my handwriting. It's chicken scratch. Yeah. Uh, so my score has got to be real low. I got to work on that. You got to work on that. You might get fired for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Got that. I've been there. I tried I tried doing sticky note exercises with you, Andy. And between me and you, like, I remember writing things down and not, like, I couldn't read them after. It's like, you stick them on the wall and you're yeah. like, what does that say? I don't know. Did you write that? <laughs> no, did you, I think you wrote that. Like, we don't even know who wrote we knew it. The difference between, we knew the difference between yours and mine, Patrick. In your handwriting, if I remember correctly, you only write in all caps, and you, like, just don't know how yeah, to write. Yeah, it's all caps. In Man. sentence case. All right? caps. Man. Do you do... You're do you do, always yelling on your Well, it's notes. all caps, but the, like, I capitalize, like, like, <laughs> the first the first letter in the sentence yeah. is a large all caps. Yeah. And large then the rest caps, of them are small all caps. All caps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, my, yeah my, my teachers hated me <laughs> for many reasons, but that was a big one. My <laughs> English, like my English teachers hated me. It's so good. It's the best way to write. Yeah, it's the only way. <laughs> what is that called? Is, is it a capital, capital letter? I don't know. It's called lazy. It's what it's called, but it's called not Genius. learning how to write. It's like It's like capital case writing. Right, because mm. it's not all caps. Because you you kind of have an extra capital size right there. Andy, capital I just, case. I think you're inventing a new writing. I just remember that we had that argument about when we were at canopy when we were trying to figure out sentence case and like all caps, like when to <laughs> use different things and where. We're doing it on a whiteboard, and of course, I'm writing on the whiteboard. Yeah. So I write on the whiteboard like <laughs> title should be sentence, you know, whatever. 
button should be said in its case and it's so all, many, everything's capitalized. yeah <laughs> just sending so many mixed messages and i remember like dayton's like wait should it be are you saying oh, it's all great. capitalized i'm like no 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 this like don't worry about what i'm writing <laughs> it was the most confusing day ever we oh. had no I, we had like probably five meetings to try to decide that as a design yeah. team it's horrible uh, logan it's horrible stuff. That's tough stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us, Logan. Yes. Was, yeah. It's this fun was having awesome. you on the pod. We'll have to bring you, you guys on the pod again. I would love to come back. Same time next week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we have any technical difficulties this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. We're running out of time. Google Meet's going to kick us out in three minutes. So better get on out of here. Yep. Okay. See you guys. See you, fellas. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.